Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show. Right now we are here with the one, the only, our local podiatrist and foot specialist, Dr. Tanisha Richmond. How are you this afternoon? I am blessed and highly favored. It, it is, is here. It is definitely here. And <laughs> we're enjoying here. it and everything is fantastic. And you've got a lot of information to share with us today. Oh, yeah. If all my guests call in, we should have a pretty interesting show. I want to talk about the book club of the month. I like. I should be getting a call from one of my colleagues to talk about the booster shots and the process and the limitations and some of the rules <laughs> with the new boosters for the vaccines. And then, of course, foot stuff. Foot stuff. <laughs> and, and let's talk a little bit about the foot stuff, Dr. Richmond. First of all, we do know that there are people with real foot pain. Yes. Foot pain does exist. And there may be some individuals that may be very new to the show. So let's just go all the way back. We know you've been here for some years. Yes. Let's go all the way back and let's introduce you and present you to some that may not be familiar with your background and how you got started in the foot industry as a podiatrist and foot specialist. Uh, okay. Let's go back. <laughs> way let's back. Let's go back. Let's go way back. Well, let's see. Did you decide that, that, I you, that you wanted to be a foot doctor? That's a very unique <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, career. Well, I always wanted to be a doctor. For Halloween, I was always a doctor. My mom's a nurse, so I would always get her stethoscope and had a little lab coat, and I would always be a doctor for Halloween. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little girl, and I've always been a nerd. You know, I wanted science. I remember I wanted microscopes. I like to get the volcanoes. And, and I, you just seem really proud to say, not to stereotype anyone, but you seem to really be proud when you say the word nerd. Well, you know, the richest man on earth is a nerd. I think Elon Musk is now a trillionaire. Nerd. <laughs> the top 10 on earth. Nerds. <laughs> You know, and people, because I know sometimes me and my boyfriend, he'll call me a nerd. I'm like, who's the richest man on earth? Nerd. <laughs> he just went to the moon. So the top three just went to the moon, I think. So, you know, it, intelligence. So you own that. Yes, I own it. I mean, my brain is what allowed me to have the lifestyle that I want to have. And I utilize my brain and I feed my brain and I constantly feed it and constantly give it new information and, you know, and groom myself, not only as a doctor, but as a businesswoman and entrepreneur. So, you know, you have to take ownership. And I think that's what people now, you know, they're living their truth. They're being there, giving you realness and <laughs> all this stuff. You know, this is me, you know, I am unapologetically a black female podiatrist slash entrepreneur. I need to make that into mass. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you once you own it and you and you just take ownership of it, you really don't worry about the fluff and what people say and criticize because you know what you've done to get to where you are, and 
And, and, and like I said, it was a lifelong thing. When I applied to uh, medical school, I didn't get in on the first try. And my mother suggested podiatry. And she's a nurse. And I didn't know what a podiatrist was because I'm from the South. Podiatry's not big in the South. And she's like a foot doctor. And I'm like, what does a foot doctor do? So I met two African-American podiatrists in New Orleans, uh, a female and a male. And I spent a day with both. And shadowed them. And, you know, the female, what really excited me was she said you could have a good quality of life being a podiatrist. You could, you know, you could dictate your schedule. You could work as as hard or as not hard as you want to. And then, of course, when I went to podiatry school, I found out you could even be a subspecialty in podiatry. So some of us only do surgery. Some of us only do wound care. Some of us only do sports medicine pediatrics. So uh, so it just depends on what you want to do. I do a little bit of everything except surgery. So I'm multi-specialty, I guess, inside of my specialty. And then also I just brought on a new podiatrist, Dr. Brewer. He just started this past Monday. Congratulations. Yeah. So he came from Kentucky. He's a graduate of the Ohio State University. <laughs> And he also went to the same podiatry school up in Cleveland that I went to as well. So he's joined the practice and he will be doing surgeries as soon as we can get him privileges and get all the paperwork and all that done. So now I'm glad to announce we are taking walk-ins and same day appointments. So, but you do need to call because you can't walk in at 1159 because we do go to lunch <laughs> from 12 to 1. But, you know, you can call. We're trying we're we are trying to do same day appointments and, and for new patients. The wait time now sh- should be a day or a couple of days. That's growth. Yeah, that's growth. That's awesome. Yeah. So so we, we started by thank you for sharing that with us. And congratulations on having another podiatrist there with you. That is awesome. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. You, you, this wasn't really something you thought about until your mom <laughs> mentioned it, but you knew you wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, you mean starting the practice? How did you start your journey? We're going all <laughs> the way back, Dr. Richard. Oh, wow. We're going back. So, well, okay, so I went to college. I was a science major, biology pre-med major, applied to medical school. I didn't get in on my first try, but I did go to UT Knoxville in entomology and plant pathology for a year. So I was up in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee collecting bugs and looking at plants. And I didn't really like it. I like the bugs, but I kind of went to culture shock coming from a small HBCU to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. The ag campus at UT was bigger than Talladega <laughs> College. So I came back to Louisiana. I taught school. I went to Atlanta for a little while. I made pig hearts out of heart. I made heart valves out of pig hearts. Actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger has one of our heart valves. And they just transplanted a kidney, pig kidney into a human, and it worked. So we, you know, we may be able to start getting pig kidney soon. But, you know, when you need a kidney, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If you can eat pork, you can (laughs) have a pig kidney. But that just happened, I think, this past week. So that's awesome for all the people who are in renal failure and dialysis. If you could just order you a kidney and get off dialysis, that'd be a blessing. And then, so I was teaching school actually, and the Lord showed me that was not my uh, ministry. (laughs) So I reapplied 
And that's when my mom mentioned podiatry. I applied to all seven schools, got into all seven, but I ended up going to Kent State because they were the most friendliest and they told me I wasn't going to be eating noodles for four years. <laughs> because when you go to medical school, you borrow enough money to live off of and pay your tuition. Because some people work, but most people cannot work. Because we're taking, oh, I think my first, you jumped like, you think your first semester, they may do 12, 20 credit hours. Your second, you're up to 30 every credit, every semester. So here, all we did was just eat, sleep, study, repeat. So, and then I did, I came to Dayton, Ohio for my residency, started looking for a mentor. And what made you choose Dayton? They had free housing. <laughs> So our senior year of medical school, we travel the country. We visit residency programs all over the country. So we're broke. So pretty much we try to go to places where we either have somewhere we can stay for free or they have free housing. So Dayton had free housing. They actually housed us in a now condemned home at the VA. <laughs> and so I came here. I got accepted. And then I started looking for a mentor, a black podiatrist. And the last black podiatrist was at Drew Health Center and he had passed. And I happened to meet someone at a mother love book signing at Mount Enon. He was a employee of Drew and I had my little card. I printed off a printer and he was like, oh, we need another black podiatrist. And he gave me a contact, uh, Fred Steed. And the rest of history. So I started, I want to say, my second year residency, um, doing all my paperwork. I graduated June 2008. I opened July 2008. My first patient actually was uh, a nurse and her family from the VA. So, and now 10, let's see, what a year, 13 years later, with about 12,000 patients. I'm still here. That's amazing. Yeah. With with a wonderful, friendly staff. Um, and yeah. now open Monday, still open Monday through Friday. Yes. Now yes. accepting walk-ins. Walk yes. Walk-ins, same day appointments, uh, wait times or new appointments, depending on the day. You know, you might get you in that day, but we, we're probably down to at least a two-day wait time for new patients. Okay. That is fantastic. So what's new with... Um, Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic? Um, other than that, <laughs> not much. I mean, we're still, we still have the spa. We still have the neurotherapy treatment. And that's for any kind of chronic pain, neuropathy, any kind of tendonitis in the foot. You know, we still do the vascular studies for blood flow. That's for people who have any kind of symptoms, symptoms of cramping in their legs, if they're smokers, if they're diabetics if they're on dialysis. So a screening tool to check for blood flow in the legs. We still have orthotics on site. Oh yes, we did add diabetic shoes. We now dispense diabetic shoes on site. So if you are diabetic, let me say that one more again, you must be a diabetic to get diabetic shoes. You just can't say it. You must be. You must be diabetic. You must be diagnosed by a primary care physician or specialist who will sign paperwork saying you are a diabetic. You just but can't what say if it. Someone just wants it for the comfort. They can pay cash. Then they're three hundred a pair. 
<laughs> with two pairs of inserts. What's the biggest difference that most people notice in the shoes? Well, diabetic shoes are wider, they're deeper. They have no seams on the inside, so they don't rub your feet. So they accommodate like hammer toes and bunions. The soles are thicker. So if you stepped on a nail or tack, it wouldn't pierce your skin. Mm -hmm. And then, and so they're just designed to protect the foot. And then they also have inserts that decrease calluses or friction. And so if they have a prescription from their doctor, then they can get the shoes. And one pair a year, one physical year, 365 days. They can get a pair of shoes once a year. Okay, so why is it that they would need or want more than one pair a year? They most greedy. <laughs> They're nice shoes. I mean, we have you know we have boots, we got dress shoes, we got tennis shoes. So we have a lot of different styles. So okay. you know, it, but you know, they just want extra shoes, or they want shoes and they're not diabetic and they don't qualify. Because it's, it's a program through Medicare. It's ran through the Medicare program. So they they have to be a diabetic. Because we've had a couple patients tell us they're diabetics. We send the paperwork to their primary and they're like, no, <laughs> they are not diabetic. So in this season, what's the most common or what are some of the common um, foot concerns that people have when they come to see? Now it's mostly just ashy, ashy <laughs> dry skin and then I what well, yeah we're getting into the winter so we're starting to dry out because this climate doesn't have a lot of humidity and since we use so much heat I'm starting to notice it myself I had to plug up my humidifier because I'm starting to dry out so you really want to start looking at your skin start monitoring your Vaseline is the best I mean if you're using whatever whatever you want to use if it's keeping your feet pretty and your feet are supple and the skin is soft and pretty, use it. But if you're trying things and your feet are still crusty, still ashy, you need to come see me. Because that could be health problems. It could be an infection. I mean, it's a lot of different reasons why you could be dry. So I, as a podiatrist, I just walk in the room and look at you. Oh, you got athlete's foot. Oh, you, how long you been smoking? You on dialysis? <laughs> Do your legs swell? So it's kind of like I can walk in and kind of just looking at your feet, kind of figure out what is your problem, why are you having these skin problems. And then last time I walk in, I'm like, you got eczema? Yeah. Do you see a dermatologist? No. So, you know, so then I may re I refer them to a dermatologist. I can start them on a low-dose topical steroid to try and control it. And then we'll talk about, like, using mild soaps. Generally, I'll tell them use baby soaps because baby soaps and detergents are from delicate skin. And like in eczema and psoriasis, their skin is very sensitive to different chemicals and things. Okay, so the ones that come to you, I should say in this season, it's the dryness and it's because the season is changing. Yeah. So after we get out of the shower, your recommendation is to lotion up? Lotion up and dry between your toes. Floss your toes. And I say that because a lot of us have what's called uh, the fifth toe kind of doesn't let it breathe in there in your fourth website. And that's where lots of times people get a lot of moisture and may start to break down. Uh, bacteria and fungus may move in. It may start to stink or turn colors. So you want to make sure you're drying real good between your toes and cleaning between your toes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
floss between them, and lotion. So, so Dr. Richard, are you suggesting that some don't clean between their feet? Oh, toes? I have a whole lot of don't clean. They don't clean their feet, period, <laughs> until they come to us. Because we do offer a free foot soak in the room. That's for people with thick nails, calluses, sometimes because of odor and dirt. So we will soak you in the room with a little bit of Epsom salt, one of the essential oils. And that helps me and the patient because if your nails are super thick or your calluses are super thick, it softens the skin so we can cut them easier without pain. And then, of course, of course, if they have an odor, that helps us as well. <laughs> Everyone is smelling and feeling better when it's all over. That protects us all, huh? Yes, it protects us all. Got you. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we do do the soaks. But then we have the f foot spa, which is $20. And that's where they're in the private room in a massage chair. They have music. They can pick their own music on Pandora. <laughs> and they're then they're done by one of the medical assistants. And that's the scrub, the massage, and the pumice stone scrub. Okay. And so if someone were to become a new patient, what's the expectation on the visit? I say block two hours, at least. It's because I know now we're having a lot of issues with transportation because of the global supply chain and employee shortage. Uh, a lot of people are missing appointments because of transportation, lack of transportation. So I would say give for new patients, give yourself at least a two hour block time. You may get out sooner, but we don't know what you're coming in. You don't know what you're coming in because some people may come in for athlete's foot, foot. And then we determine you got vascular disease, you got athlete's foot. <laughs> you got toenail fungus. Then you may mention, oh, by the way, I dropped a can of kidney beans on my foot. I got this bruise here. So now we got to get an x-ray. So it just, you know, the visits, I can say it's not Burger King. You know, it's not going to be a fast visit, but it all depends on what the patient's individual issues are. What you tell everyone is to prepare for two hours. I say two hours. I mean, just be realistic. You you can't have an eight o'clock appointment with me and think you're going to meet, have a 10 o'clock appointment with another doctor. Give yourself the morning in case something happens or something happens. You know, we we just don't know until we get you back in the room and start to work you up. And then lots of times the patient will tell the medical assistant one thing. And then when I walk in the room, another doctor walks in the room, then they're like, oh, by the way, <laughs> I have this, this, and this as well going on. So then we have to work up the different things or at least start the process. Interesting. This is an interesting book, I take it. Yes, it is. It's different. Actually, I found it. I was... um. Well, whenever I'm reading and they have articles on different authors, this, it was a list of books by ethnic authors, different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And I sent her the list and she picked that one. So, you know, it's, you know, reading is such a, I guess, a safe way of release and escape. <laughs> you know, when you read a book, it could take you, you know, to another place, another time, another era another geography without ever leaving your home. And it takes you out of your current situation. I mean, nowadays, you know, our lives pretty much evolve around, you know, the COVID virus, vaccines, boosters, supply chains, you know, all the things that's going on in our world today. So reading is the is a great escape. And it's so much to read. I don't think you can ever finish because people are constantly, 
you know, uh, releasing new books and you can go back and read old books and you can read because I, I love the whole A is for Alibi series because mm-hmm. she passed, I think, last year before she finished the series. I don't think she made it to Z, but that was a good series. So, I mean, it's just like we talked about before, it's just doing whatever you can to deal with our current situation and doing it in a safe and healthy way. You know, I am wholeheartedly into trying to find out a way to relax and find a good mental space without doing any kind of legal substances. And that's interesting <laughs> that you would mention about reading and it taking you to next another place and sometimes even a better place for even the moment. But then you hear so many people say, I don't have time to read. Uh-huh. Well, I listen say? to it. I listen to on tape. So yes. I have the app, Audible. I listen to them. And there's several apps uh, that you can listen to tape. But you're still taking the time to read even though it's being read to you. Yeah, well, like, but you can do other things. Like when I walk my Chihuahua Ernie, I listen. When I'm in the car, I listen. At work, if I'm between patients, I may try to listen to a book. You know, you take a bath, sit there, listen to a book. You know, it, it's you find the time. You're, you'd be surprised how much time in the day you could do other things besides watch TV. <laughs> you could listen to a book. And, you know, you can, you can, like I said, it can take you to a different place, a different time, a different perspective. You know, we, 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 need, we need distractions nowadays. At least I do. <laughs> and those are good distractions. Yes. Yes, we do. I mean, our brains, you know, when you wake up, I'm a news person, so I'm and I'm a methodical person. I'm a military brat. I have a protocol every morning. I have to watch the daily news and I have to watch the national news. When I come home at night, I have to watch the daily and national news every day. So I so I know what's current locally and nationally. But you know, taking in that information, it it can become overwhelming. But still, you you have to find a way to kind of escape. And, you know, especially now with the opioid epidemic is actually going, the overdoses and everything are increasing again, primarily, possibly, possibly, mostly due to COVID and the stress and the mental anguish of going through this pandemic. So, you know, I'm all about trying to find natural ways to relieve stress and anxiety. And you get exercise in while taking your brain to a different place and satisfying Ernie, as you say. <laughs> yeah, and I'm walking too. I'm exercising, and, and he's and he's That's having it. fun. Yeah, exactly. So those are all win-win-win situations. Yeah. yeah, I would tell anyone to get a pet because a pet. I see Ernie's my first dog. I've had him three years, and it is true when you have a pet. You will, you do get healthier because if you do walk your dog, he will make you get up and walk him. Like this morning, he he got in my face until I got up, <laughs> let him out, and then he came back for his walk. So, and he's very so he aggressive. He wanted to handle his business and he wanted to come to you to have, for you to handle your business. <laughs> yes, yeah. to take him yeah. for his walk. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, they do make you exercise and get out and move. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So are you currently reading this book? Have you finished it? I'm almost finished with it. I actually got a and couple. And what's your take? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, like I said, I love the, because she's Afro, Afro-Brazilian. 
So she's African and well, she's Brazilian African, I guess, because she's she's not African American. She's Brazilian African, so she's uh, Brazilian and African descent. And she talks about that in the book because um, she's a wedding planner, and you know how she has to handle herself as a black woman and how she's perceived as a black woman and a business owner, and and then of course the cultural aspect of being a black Brazilian woman. So <laughs> it's a lot of twist <laughs> in there, and it's interesting. And like I said, it it, it gives you a different uh, flavor, I guess. You know, takes you out of your everyday life, starting to think about Brazilian culture and the foods and how they view things. Like in the book, they were watching Carnival, and over there they compete. The when you see all the the groups and stuff, they're actually dance troops, and they compete, and it's a big competition. In New Orleans, it's just a big party. <laughs> it's not a competition per se. You just come out and do your thing and go home. But in Brazil, it's different. It's more of a competition. I see. I see. So you have done several things. You mentioned in the beginning that you're an entrepreneur. And for those that are even remotely considering it, what are some of the first few things you tell them? Reach out to the SBA. First thing, actually, I'm now working to get my MBE recertification, which is Minority Business Enterprise certification, because DeWine just announced funding for minority businesses. So to get those funds, which I think he has loans and grants, you have to become MBE certified, which is Minority Business Enterprise that's through the state of Ohio. If you go to the state of Ohio's website and click, I think, Minority Assistance, you can click that to see about getting your, your certification. I actually got certified when I first opened about 10 years ago. I got certified. So it, it wasn't as, but it was a lot of information. But luckily, I've done two PPE loans <laughs> and paid those back. So I pretty much had all the documentation for it. But I would would suggest that if you are African-American or woman or any of the other minorities they have listed, you can uh, qualify for an MBE certification. So I would reach out to your local SBA first. Most SBA should be offering like free classes. Uh, if they're not in person, they're probably virtual on different aspects of like setting up a business, starting an LLC, tax ID, accounting, human resource, le legal things, things, you know, a lot of people, I guess, don't, well, they don't know. So they just think you open up your doors and it's magic. <laughs> and you're Jeff Bezos in a year. <laughs> they, it doesn't happen that way. No. <laughs> or, you know, they'll see someone, you know, that they're a millionaire, but they don't see where they came from and what they went through to get to that point and the paperwork and the documentation that it took to get to that point. And so that's where I would start would be the SBA. I would reach out to your local branch, set up an appointment. They, are, they should all have counselors. Our SBA is right behind the Dayton Dragon Stadium here in Dayton. So you can go over there, set up an appointment, talk with a counselor. Because they even have it here is an incubator. So I think you can like rent a room or two rooms mm -hmm. and you have access to the Wi-Fi, not treatment chairs, your, your tables and things. And so you can rent for a smaller amount and then uh, start a business. And they have that, I think, as well as the SBA. 
Well, that is awesome, and we hope that those individuals that are even considering owning their own businesses or becoming entrepreneurs to take advantage of what's out there for them. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic, about COVID. What has been the general conversation of your patients and those that you are closest with in your industry concerning COVID? Still arguing over the vaccine. It, well, it's it's extreme. So you go from people who don't want the vaccine to people who want now want the booster. And so most, I would say the patients that I ask, I'd say about 75% of my patients are now vaccinated. Some patients are now saying I'm going to get vaccinated because I can get a gift. Some patients say I'm never getting vaccinated. You know, it's the devil. It's got the chip in it. Da, 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 da. And I said, oh, well, well, it's your choice. Start planning your funeral. You know, make sure your stuff's in order. And I, I, I mean, I have a blunt conversation. I mean, you—it's kind of like riding a motorcycle you without have a, a real conversation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, life. well, for one, I'm from a funeral home family. We talk about death all the time. And <laughs> so, you hear that from your dad and your brother. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like you know, if you don't want to plan to take the vaccine, well, plan for what may happen. You know, make sure you have a will in place. Make sure you have some kind of life insurance or a plan or. Something, if something happens to you, you know, is your living will in, in order? You know, we, we have a, I mean, a realistic conversation because it, it's real. It's not, you know, people keep saying fake news and it's the media. No, I mean, if you could, I think they should take people on the COVID unit and let them just take a look and listen to all the sounds and the smells and the people running around trying to save people's lives. And and then kids dying, because there was a case, I don't know where it was, where the mother had to make the decision. Of, she could either let her child die or cut off both arms and both legs. So she let him pass. Because he, he had one of the I, it's, I forgot the terminology for it, but it's a syndrome some kids get. And they basically go into shock. And then they start throwing clots, massive clots. And he was throwing clots and his tissue was dying. And yeah. And, and he was too young to be vaccinated. But maybe if everyone around him was vaccinated, you know, he would have been protected. Mm, that's really sad. And I know there's still a lot of conversation about it. There's a lot of people that feel one way or another. But where do you try to remain when you're talking with your patients? Honest, honestly, I mean, I just say, you know, I've had every, I've had both vaccines and I've had the booster. I'm fine. I'm still here. (laughs) My arm hurt a little and I went back to work, you know, and I've had the flu shot as well. So I I say, you know, I, I have to protect myself. I mean, statistically or mathematically, I'm exposed to at least 60 people a day different people daily. So I have to protect myself because I, if I get sick, the ship goes down. Well, now I have help, so it wouldn't go down. But I mean, if before, if I was to get sick, my practice shuts down. My employees don't have a job. You know, it's, you know, it's bigger than just me. I have to look at the whole picture. And then I'm also high risk myself. I'm diabetic as well. So, you know, I, I have to have a realistic scientific evidence-based conversation 
you know, with myself. And I have it with the patients, you know, they'll tell me all this, well, it's got chips in it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's got the devil in it. I'm like, well, have you seen a vial <laughs> with the number 666 on it? And I said, have you, I said, do you even know how small chips are? And last I heard, the smallest chip is, I think, about the tip tip of your finger. It's the smallest chips we have. And and then I tell them, if you carry a phone, you've been chipped. Because the phone has your, it GPS tracks you. So, you know, they can pinpoint you anywhere on earth if your phone is live. <laughs> if your phone is on, they can track you. So, but, you know... I just have a realistic conversation. I said, it's a choice, just like it's a choice not to wear a seatbelt. It's a choice not to wear a helmet. It's a choice to drink and drive. You know, but this it's a choice. And whatever happens, happens. I just hope your family has a policy for you so they can bury you. And I just leave it at that. Because <laughs> you can't. You, people are, you know, they're they're adults. They have choice. I mean, this this is America. This is land of the free, home of the brave. We all have freedom. We all have rights, and you do. You have the right to do whatever you want. But you know, will I go to the point where I won't see a patient because they're not vaccinated? No, I give you a mask, and now I'll give you a mask with my logo on it. <laughs> So they can represent. Yeah, well, they can let people know where they went. And if they ask for their information, it's on my mask. So, <laughs> Very interesting. So some of the conversations you've had with other than COVID with your patients when they come to see you, is it always relative to their particular issue or is it other conversations? It could be anything, really. Because... For one, so part of uh, Medicare mandates us to ask certain screening pro questions. So we have to ask about eye exams, colonoscopies, uh, things like that. When I ask about colonoscopies, and that's because you're supposed to get one at least every 10 years. And then based on risk factors, it could be even shorter. So we do have interesting conversations over colonoscopies and I actually have little uh, folders in my office that I'll hand them if they haven't had one or refuse to have one. And recently I just had my first uh, a couple weeks ago. So now I can tell them it's not bad. The worst part is the prep. You don't remember anything else because they put you to sleep. But I always tell them, you know, that's what killed Black Panther. And when I say that, it kind of clicks like, oh, yes, that's what killed Black Panther. He died from colon cancer. And, you know, and it's a preventable disease, but you have to go get your colonoscopy or at least do the other screening. But that's still dependent on the your primary doctor and your GI doctor. You know, it was my first. So I had to go for the official test. <laughs> so I got to go back in five years because I had one polyp. So I have to go back in five years, but I'm just happy I only have one polyp. <laughs> and for those who may have some apprehension about that process, can you walk us through since you just recently did it? What's it like? So you have prep. So basically you have four bottles of stuff you have to drink. So you start your prep the night before so you start drinking your bottles of your prep. It's it's not, it was like go lightly, but it's similar, but you can only drink clear fluids. And once you start your prep, I think about, no, that day you drink, you only drink fluids. So you're on a liquid diet starting that morning. So like that morning I had a, I could have a smoothie. 
I had a malt. And then at lunch, I had a malt for lunch. And then that night, you went to straight liquid diet and you start drinking your prep overnight. And you're very clean once you're done. <laughs> but, but they, you know, they want you cleaned out because they want to be able to see the walls of your colon. And that's important. Yes, because they got to be able to see. So they can see if there's any lesions, any polyps, anything not supposed to be there. And if there's stuff residue left behind, they can't see it clearly. And you really don't want to have to go through that more than every five so to ten like years. So do it like the first time and make sure you drink all <laughs> like of those bottles and your water. Like I drank for dinner, I had veggie, the veggie broth. I just drank it warm and it was quite tasty. I was surprised how good it tasted straight. Yeah. <laughs> and I made it through and I got up the next day and did your, you can, can you eat? I think you can drink a little because it's light sedation. You just get like propofol. They just put you to sleep. So you're not where they put anything down your throat or anything. They just give you an IV. Have a good night's sleep. A, good what, day sleep. a day sleep, wake up. They give you some water and you go home and you get to eat. Because <laughs> you haven't eaten solid food for almost 24 hours. So what did that feel like, Dr. Richmond? Did you is want anything in particular to eat when you came off of it? No, I just went to breakfast. I was just happy to eat solid food. Because <laughs> you've been on a liquid diet for 24 hours. So you just eat regular food. And of course, you don't have movement for probably a day or two. Because everything has to restart yeah. since you've been thoroughly cleaned out. Now, is that a different feeling for you? Nah, I didn't feel any. You're just a little irritated because you've gone so much. Because you're, you know, it's, I mean, once it starts, I, like they did say, do stay at home or, or near a restroom. Do not be at the mall because <laughs> you could have an accident. But yeah, just stay at home, drink your fluids. And like they give you a list of things to buy. Like I had different drinks to clear drinks to drink and how to you kind of have to chase the different prep with the drinks so you can tolerate it and stuff like that but i would say it is worth doing because colon cancers is one of the more easiest ones to treat because we have so much colon so if they have to resect it you can still have some and hopefully you know they don't have to take so much you would end up with a, with with the bag or whatever but you know, it's something that's preventable. And I would say I'm 47 and now they've lowered it to 45. So at 45, you should start getting your first colonoscopy or if you're high risk and your primary care, or you have a family history, they may tell you to get it sooner. And preventive is always the best method. If you can oh yeah, every, every prevention is the key. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wholeheartedly believe that, especially being a podiatrist, just me looking at your feet three times a year statistically will prevent you from having amputations, losing a limb, changing your life. So, you know, prevention is always key. I forgot this time, too, they give you pictures post-op. They actually give you color photos of what it looks like. And then of the little polyp, they took a picture of it and shoved it to you. So, and I walked out with that. So that was immediately when I woke up, they give you pictures. Interesting. <laughs> and tell you how good it looked in there. So it was clear. <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about that for another year. Well, another five. It's I go five, back five, five, years. five years. Yeah. So hopefully I won't have to see them again for five years. 
<laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Any new information that you want to share with the listeners about what's going on at Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic? Well, one thing I do want to say, especially with Dayton being such a, a large manufacturing city, if you are starting to have a lot of foot pain, arch pain, heel pain, leg pain, swelling, really you should make an appointment. Especially I'm starting to see a lot of the patient, patients who work in these factories that work seven days straight, um, starting to get a lot of varicose veins, a lot of swelling in their legs. You know, you should come in, get that evaluated. There's ways we could check you to make sure it's not another issue. But lots of times it may just mean you have to start wearing like compression stockings. And I know that, but they they just support the legs. They support the veins in your legs to keep you from from being overstressed because you're standing so much. And then, of course, if you're starting to get the heel pain, the arch pain, you know, I always tell my patients in the beginning, we weren't working seven days a week. We was in the forest foraging for our fruit. We were taking rest. So we're not designed to stand on our feet 12 hours a day, seven days a week. We were not designed to, to do that. So that's why it comes into play as far as getting orthotics in your shoes, which basically brings the ground up to your feet, supports that tissue. And then there's other modalities that we can do to help with arch pain and heel pain and leg pain and things of that nature. But yeah, don't let those things go because especially with heel pain, you can get to the point if you ignore it where the only treatment option may be an injection or something like that to make to control your pain. And we have things like we can tape your foot. We can give you something called a night splint that helps you stretch. We can give you orthotics. We can do the nerve treatment on you if your insurance qualifies. We can send you out for physical therapy. So there's a lot of other modalities other than just the injection. Well, that was a great way to end the show. Yeah, what a bang. What a bang. That's some great information, and hopefully everyone will take advantage of that. And that's something that I didn't know, that she had that second location, so it's good that she did call in yeah. and mention that people can take advantage of both locations um, that's more north and then something that's northwest. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, so yeah. that's great. Well, Doc, uh, any final comments today? Take care of your feet. You only have two. You only have two. Unless you want some plastic or metal ones. <laughs> <laughs> they can be replaced. Right, right. <laughs> Doc, we thank you once again. It's just amazing how that time flies. And, and when you come back, it will be November. And it will be the week before Thanksgiving when you'll be back. Uh, oh, what day oh, is no, that? that's actually Thanksgiving weekend. No, I won't be here. We won't be here. <laughs> So, I'll be in New Orleans. We'll be in New Orleans, so maybe we'll talk and do it maybe the week before. Yeah, the week before, because the week of Thanksgiving, I will be in New Orleans. Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, but well, we'll plan for the 20th, and we'll look forward to having you then. And final information on your location and phone number. Uh, 1323 West 3rd Street, inside the Charles R. Drew Health Center. Turn right when you walk in the door to you see... You'll pass WIC, and then you see podiatry, phone number 937-228-3668, website richfeet.org. Dr. Richmond, thanks so much again, and we appreciate all you do in our community. Have an awesome weekend. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668, or you can learn more at richfeet.org.